Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. I'm excited to be attending and recording shows at Rainmaker 2016. You can join keynote speaker Gary Vanderchuk along with modern revenue leaders at the only conference dedicated to the sales development industry, March 7th and 9th in Atlanta. Get tickets now to receive cutting-edge sales content from thought leaders, learn best practices during breakout sessions, and come network with the world's top sales influencers. If you use the promo code BTFS and the number 30, you'll get 30% off. More information is on the show website at buildingthefutureshow.com. I'm also going to be at the Business Rocks Tech, Music, and Investment Summit recording shows live in Manchester, England, April 21st and 22nd, where Steve Wozniak is headlining. More information about the summit is on the show website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Maheen Zeddy, co-founder and CEO at Smart Vision. Maheen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be at your show. I'm looking forward to the great conversation we're going to have. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of have you on the show. And I think what you guys are doing is is pretty cool and pretty interesting. But maybe before we kind of get into exactly what you guys are doing, let's kind of get to know you a little bit better and kind of cover where you grew up. Sure, absolutely. Um, So Kevin, I've been an army kid um, growing up. So I've been all over the map, uh, changing to a different city and country after every two years. Okay. uh, Forming new friendships and, uh, of course, changing a gazillion of schools. So, so I would, you know, I would like to call myself as a citizen of the world at this point in time. Okay. Um, then I transitioned over to the United States in 2000, where I started my career. Okay. So, kind of, what made you move to America? Well, it was, you know, it was partially the opportunity presented itself. Okay. Um, and it was one of my first employer, which was a software technology company. Uh, they are headquartered uh, out of California here. Okay. Uh, that was my first gig. Um, and actually, you know, the, the, the project, what they were doing, the products, uh, it was something which really excited me at that time. So I rode the wave with them for uh, four or five years. Okay. So what did you kind of take in university then? So I, uh, I basically did my uh, bachelor's in computer science from okay. Cardiff University. Uh, it's uh, one of the top leading universities uh, out of Wales uh, in Britain. Um, and then I was also one of the exchange students uh, who got to spend um, nine to ten months in, in Singapore as well. So oh, that wow. was an exciting time, time in my life, yes. No, that that's awesome. So kind of as a kid or kind of growing up, what kind of got you into kind of technology and and whatnot? You, you know, I mean, I, I would contribute uh, my academic uh, degree, computer science, as something that gave me the tool and the instrument to start looking at problem solving algorithmically and also with a precise, you know, analytical understanding of what the problems are. And I always had a keen eye to figure out what is the problem and how it can be solved more elegantly and can we improve the the solution which is right now out there and you know nowadays you have this thing you have an app for every problem out there 
which basically goes back in the history with the same type of concept that if there is a if there is a real world problem and issue, um, technology can solve it. So that was my trick. That was my tripping point. Uh, basically, it was a personal um, and a keen eye to understand what issues are out there and using my academic background to solve them uh, programmatically as well. Interesting. So you, you kind of, you moved to America, um, you kind of were working um, for, for a few companies. Maybe, you don't have to necessarily mention the companies that you work for, but do you want to maybe kind of talk about the different industries and, and kind of experiences you had kind of working before you started the company? Oh, absolutely. Uh, sure. So the first company, my first employer, uh, its name is Elixir Technologies. Uh, they are in a very unique industry uh, doing uh, content management and print streams for, uh, you know, industrial uh, printers. Um, and coming up with, uh, with tools that can allow you to create variable documents for printing at a mass scale. Um, so that, that allowed me to kind of, you know, understand um, what are the pain points in the print industry. Okay. Uh, and then I was managing few of the flagship products. So it gave me a good overview of the, both the business understanding and for, also from the product management side. Uh, what 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 issues needs to be resolved and how elegantly we can do them. Um, so that was that was my five year gig with them. Then I moved on to work for uh, Gateway Computers, which oh, okay. is right, which is and now it's uh, Acer and Gateway is a, is one of the brands they are managing. Um, that at that point in time, I made a slight bit of a career move to uh, depart myself a little bit from software engineering uh, paradigms and coding, uh, writing software specifications, more on to product marketing and business development okay, um, side. So, uh, yeah, so a lot of my friends would say, you move on to the dark side. And I said, <laughs> yes, it's, it's the dark side that uh, generates the revenue, uh, sure. believe it or not. <clears throat> Um, so that was an interesting move for me uh, at Gateway. I was managing their desktop uh, line of business um, for North America. Oh wow, that's and, awesome! Uh, yeah, it was in, in, in big, exciting stuff and sure. creating those of materials uh, for the the new launches, and then also work with the international business development team to launch some of our products in uh, Spain and in uh, China. Oh wow! So yeah, you're you use your kind of global traveling background for kind of your <laughs> business life as well. It sounds like you know, and more importantly, it gives you uh, the business acumen, and you get to work, you get your you know roll up your sleeves, you get your hands dirty into how businesses uh, businesses are actually run, mm. uh, both from product launch standpoint of view and also from the from the business operation point of view. Um, and then add to the fuel, I, you know, transitioned over to Ingram Micro, which is the the top IT distributor worldwide. Okay. Um, so that gave me a very good flavor of working with a, a distribution channel, uh, looking at the business model, uh, the products pricing, and I was managing both Walmart and Amazon as oh, wow. uh, corporate accounts for Ingram Micro's uh, private label. Oh, very cool. So... 
Um, how did you kind of decide to kind of leave the corporate world and, you know, co-found a company? Um, you know, the brain, the brain wave hit me in 2014 just because I've been working so closely with retailers uh, at Ingram Micro. Right. Um, and also with my own observation of uh, what consumers' pain points are when they go uh, searching for a product or a point of interest. So just because I had attained enough knowledge and know-how um, on the business side and also doing, you know, deep research, observations, market studies, focus groups on the customer, the end customer, uh, the idea actually began in 2014. We actually started the company in 2015 after doing careful analysis of if this is, number one, if this is a real-world problem that we're trying to solve, and then secondly, trying to retrofit our solution into something that will really solve it. Mm, uh, usually, the problem with a lot of companies is that they will come up with a fantastic idea, you know, but is there a real need for it in the market? So we, our approach was completely, you know, 100 degrees uh, opposite. We started off with first researching the industry, uh, researching what are the gaps that we need to fill and the pain points, and then we created a solution. Interesting. And the yeah, and in, in the process, uh, we were doing some very exhaustive competitive analysis, uh, tearing down uh, the other solutions in the market, and looking at what's missing out there and how can we improve it for the consumers. So, <clears throat> so actually, uh, the the reason for starting the company was we we discovered at the end of our research is that there is a huge void um, in the indoor industry where your traditional signals do not work for indoor navigation, number one, from a business standpoint. Uh, on, the, on the flip side of the coin, you have consumers. There, right now, time is the most precious commodity for them. Sure. Um, they are unable to find, locate, and navigate their uh, items of interest indoors because there's no solution that works out there. Sure. So the combination of these two things were the <clears throat> basically the the launching platform for our company. Okay, interesting. So did you guys kind of self-fund? Did you guys raise some money? Or kind of how did you kind of get this thing off the ground? A very good question. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's the, the one element that a lot of startup companies struggle with. Sure. We are completely uh, founder bootstrapped. Okay. Um, so... We were doing multiple things at this early stage growth. Uh, our first priority was to keep the cost as down as possible um, and without compromising on the solution, but how can we keep maintain and contain the cost sure. uh, at this early stage? Um, so we are debt-free. You know, it's completely founder bootstrap. Awesome. And uh, we have uh, been funded uh, through family and friends. Um, and we, we just opened up our seed, uh, our first seed round, okay. uh, January 1st, and we plan to close it by March. Oh, awesome. So, yes. <laughs> no, that that's awesome. That I, I think that's that's really cool that, you know, you guys are obviously self-funded and debt-free because not a lot of startups could say that, right? And, and we, you know, just, uh, we do have some revenues. Uh, they're not in seven figures right now, but right. Uh, it's been good. Oh, that's awesome. So... <laughs> So I'm kind of curious to know, um, how do I, okay, like say I'm a mall or a business or I'm a conference or, 
or whatnot. How do I kind of get started with you guys and your technology and adding your kind of technology into what I'm doing? Uh, yes. Uh, so, Kevin, let me just backtrack a little bit sure. and give you a, a kind of a high-level uh, overview of uh, our company and solution. Okay, sure. Um, you know, and that basically, that's going to tie in with this whole story and uh, business applications that we can talk about uh, later. Okay. Uh, so, at Smart Vision, you know, it's a technology uh, company. Our main export is a mobile platform for businesses. Okay. who want to deploy uh, navigation services, indoor navigation services, and location-aware ads, um, plus um, tie in with their ERP systems to offer the best products, the best deals, uh, which are going to be encountered in route of the navigation uh, for, the, for the mobile shopper. So that's, that's, the, that's the core, uh, I would say, our technical shop is that we've been able to uh, figure out and hone in into the micro-positioning of the user indoors uh, with a combination of certain, you know, certain factors and platforms. Okay. Um, given given that given that there there are two <clears throat> there are two ways of deployment. So you as an end user, for example, uh, when you walk into a shopping mall or into a uh, into a retail store or into a convention or event. Um, there's an app for, for, for you, which is a free app that okay. you can download. And we have so, several ways of integrating our solution with uh, the retailer's uh, existing mobile app. Okay. So we do have, yeah, so for them, it's, we're trying to make it as seamless and as seamless as possible for retailers without disrupting their current mobile strategies. And for you as an end user, you simply just take out your smartphone, you open up the app, and then the app will be location enabled uh, through our services. Okay. So you are able to search dynamically for any product or create a list of products. And what we will do is that we will give you the shortest route map uh, with the turn-by-turn directions as you're navigating in the store. Very cool. So are you guys kind of using geofencing and iBeacon technology or, or, or something along that li those lines? Or using something totally yeah. different, proprietary? So, you know, the way we look at the indoor navigation experience is the is the holistic science, which okay. means that the, your, as you as the end customer, your customer experience starts when you're actually driving around in a, in a, on a freeway or you're in a parking lot within a retail store. Sure. So we, we actually um, <clears throat> start engaging with you at that high level using the geofencing and GPS. Okay, so uh, because you're still, you're, you're still outdoors, you know, so we sure. you're not indoors, but we are trying to reel you in the direction, save your time, and just match you with exact products that you're looking for. So the first step is yes, the experience starts with geofencing. Okay. Once you get inside the store, uh, GPS does not work. Sure. Can you maybe um, just for the listener, um, tell them what geofencing is, just so the people that don't know what that is. Geofencing is basically using your GPS coordinates and creating a parameter around where you want to be notified. So if you are within five miles of uh, a Walmart store, for example, or a Target store, um, there will be a, a push alert notice on your phone that will say, hey, we found five uh, matching items on your, on your wish list. Right. And out of these five items, these are available in this, 
the closest orbit is five miles or three miles. So you're actually setting up a parameter uh, with the GPS coordinates of where the person is outdoors. Sure. No, and I guess I suppose then you could you could even send them promotions saying like, hey, you're close to a, a Walmart, you need milk, it's on sale today or something, you know, that kind of stuff as well. Exactly, exactly. So that's the starting point of the customer experience. Okay, interesting. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and GPS works. Uh, GPS technology suffices for those type of interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the story changes once you walk inside uh, sure. a store with walls, with walls and multiple stories and a and a you know a ceiling. Sure. So, do you want to maybe kind of cover some of the challenges that you guys have are solving with with your platform and mm-hmm. and even maybe even high level what the challenges are with kind of indoor navigation? Absolutely. Uh, the from a technical standpoint, the the biggest challenge, not just for us but for people who are in the space, um, is how do you microposition a person um, indoors sure. with the highest level of uh, with the highest level of accuracy. So uh, our our competitive strength is that we have been able to position you very very accurately with less than uh, three feet of variance. Oh, wow. Which is critical, which becomes very critical when you are aiming that you can do indoor navigation because with three feet distance, your entire route might change. Your sure. aisle and shelf that you're standing in front of might change. Um, there are companies which are doing a variance of about two to five meters, but with two sure. to five meters, your your indoor positioning for navigation will fall short. Sure. Well, you in, in theory, like if you're in a mall, you could... You could be at a different store with if it's five meters out, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> Interesting. It's a, it's a, well, it's a great uh, with that level of uh, micro positioning. Uh, it's probably great for proximity marketing solutions, which uh, you know push out a static or generic ad on your phone. It's not really a personalized experience for the for the customer. The other thing is the problem of uh, indoor congestion uh, interference and reflections from devices. Okay. Which, as you, you know, so as you know, eight out of ten consumers are using their smart devices in indoors for either product reviews, product availability, pricing. So imagine a shopping mall full of uh, you know five thousand mobile shoppers at any point in time. All of them have their smartphones. Sure. Um, some some cafeterias like Starbucks, they're having Wi-Fi, their own Wi-Fi, people bringing their laptops. All of these things interfere with the indoor navigation. Interesting. Um, okay. <clears throat> so the challenge for us is that how can we solve this both from a hardware perspective and also algorithmically to uh, cancel out, out the noise? No, totally. And, uh, yeah, and... and you know, just in the same vein, um, we were successfully able to cancel out noise at an event which is as big as CES, where we were wow. showing live demo, live demo of our navigation uh, for uh, the Hall G, which is the Eureka Park for startups. So, um, and you can imagine the amount of congestion at the oh, CES. Yes. Uh, maybe about ten times the congestion in retail stores or shopping malls. No, that's that's actually really incredible because I'm sure anybody that's ever been to a conference understands 
Um, sometimes like the Wi-Fi is terrible or or that kind of thing. So when you have that many people in that close of quarters, the fact that you guys have a solution for that is is actually like a really big deal. That being said, though, I'm kind of I kind of have a question about that. Is it possible that you can tell me, like, say I'm halfway down the mall or something or in an indoor space and I really want like Starbucks and it's on the other side of the mall based on your technology? Could you tell me roughly how busy that Starbucks is or isn't? Yes. Um, and that's a very good, interesting point you made. Uh, this also ties in with the research that we are currently doing. Okay. Where uh, same concept, instead, like let's let's take uh, an example of uh, of uh, Universal Studios. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you are at, uh, you are moving target. You're all over the place, but at any certain point in time and location, you want to know how big is the line sure. for the, uh, for a certain theme ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just because the, we have the location services in our app, we are able to figure out uh, if you want to go to, um, you know, uh, a Jurassic Park ride, uh, this is the wait time in that line. Interesting. So you don't have to be near that area, but just because of the virtue of using people using our app or the Universal Studio app, we are able to gauge the, the dwell time and the traffic at each ride. That's awesome. So I'm like... So eventually you could basically like the night before I'm going to Universal Studios, I could say I for sure want to hit like the Jurassic Park ride and these other few rides. And you could basically pop me up notifications saying, hey, the line's shorter than, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. You you could probably Absolutely. do something like that then. And then I could rush over yes, there or whatever. Know. That's awesome. I love it. You you have to be uh, you have to be physically present in that venue for sure. us to do that. Sure. Because that's just dynamic information is changing with every second. Right. Uh, but but this is also ties in with the fact the other reason that we are different from other companies is because of exactly these business uh, logic, and creating an intelligence layer uh, for uh, the vertical specific uh, for customer. So the so the the requirements and the ask from retailers very very different from the requirements of uh, location enabled services for theme parks for museums sure. so and so forth and this is i'm you know i'm very proud to say that you know we have kind of cracked down how we can share um, our, our program logically across these uh, different business cases and business logic yet providing them with exactly what they need sure. so uh, you know it, it's not a one solution fits all yeah, no, that's fair. That makes a lot of sense. Based on their needs, you kind of have to tailor the solution a little bit. Um, but I, I am kind of curious then, um, how does your technology, how's the, I guess, what's your solution to kind of the battery drain problem? Or is it non, not really an issue anymore? I just, I just know when iBeacon kind of technology kind of came out and this whole location-based thing, it was sucking some people's battery. Have you guys kind of do you have a solution for that, or is it a non-issue now? It's a big issue. Okay. Uh, the the battery drain on the end user cell phone is uh, one part of the equation. Okay. The other equation is also the battery which is in your beacons. How long do they right. last? Right. Right. So the because our 
our, our program platform is based on the latest uh, specifications from the Bluetooth, sure. uh, which is the low energy 4.2. Yeah. We are able to do a ground up solution, which will not drain your battery life. And it will only um, request to turn on the Bluetooth on your cell phone once you are near your point of interest. Right. So you don't have need to have your Bluetooth enabled all the time. It will only get triggered once you are entering a certain parameter. Interesting. Um, the, on the other side, uh, you know, Smart Vision, we do not uh, manufacture our own beacons. We are very beacon agnostic okay. um, in that sense. And we do have technology partners who provide us with the hardware arm. Um, and we were very, very careful in selecting the top ones where the beacons, the battery in the beacons have the longest battery life. Sure. No, that makes sense. And, and obviously, it's hard to have one provider because sometimes you need beacons that are just indoors. Sometimes you need ones that work outdoors. Sometimes you probably need a combination of both, correct? Absolutely. We, uh, you know, it's interesting. We had some very unique requests uh, when we were at the CS show displaying our indoor navigation. Um, there were research companies who were um, trying to measure the health of their uh, underground piping system. Okay, interesting. So, <laughs> So, so their requirements were very unique and they were very different. Uh, and they were looking at a rugged solution. Yeah, for doing for navigation sure. underground, twenty feet underground. Sure, and I, I suppose like <laughs> we're kind of talking about almost like the consumer side of things, but you know, I, I, I yeah, like you mentioned, I, I think it's there's so many good business cases, and I and I can't think of anything better than kind of underground navigation, right? Because people like Absolutely. I'm there's I tunnels mean, we, and yeah, interesting. Even we, we did not um, kind of uh, forecast it that such a request will come our way. Sure. Uh, but the, yes, there, there is a huge industrial need for this solution. Um, uh, factories, warehouses, they wanted us to deploy the solution for um, indoor positioning of the employees and which machines they're standing in front of sure. at any time so they can be reconfigured. Um, interesting. Very interesting business case. <clears throat> Yeah. So when you say reconfigured, so basically, like you could up, you could change things on the machine based on the type of use that I would potentially need in front of that, um, I guess, piece of machinery. Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, to to be more precise, uh, the uh, your store manager or the factory manager would like to know if he has deployed uh, twenty forklifters. Oh, okay. um, they are they revolving inside the warehouse at any time. If there's employee who has spent more than 30 minutes in front of one machine, because uh, we can gauge that information, how much time you're spending in front of every machine, that's the information that he would need, the store manager, so that he can send a message saying, hey, you know, you're needed at that other, other machinery if you can go, and this is your navigation route. Okay, interesting. And then you could basically send them the quickest way possible through... Whatever, especially if it's on another floor or something. Interesting. Absolutely, yeah. And then the other uh, main concern is uh, safety and security. You have uh, uh, on a large, on a 5 million square feet of warehouse, you have forklifters. Um, employees should be able to know that on a blind spot, there's a certain forklifter coming his or her way. Sure. No, that's, that's actually really interesting. So can you do... Uh, like I, I know you can position me like where I am within three feet. Can is the technology there yet to do 
um, kind of height and like say if I'm on like a forklift or something, can you see how far I'm off the ground or is that is the technology just not there yet? No, so when we position you indoors, okay. um, we are working on three different coordinates, X, Y, Z. Oh, interesting. So the X, Y positions you on a 2D and the Z coordinate will position you exactly which floor or what's, if there are multiple store uh, uh, floors in a, in a shopping mall, uh, we are able to position you if you're on floor number one, two, three. So it's, it's, uh, it works in a, in a 3D uh, kind of uh, dimension. That's awesome. I, I didn't realize the technology was, was that far. That's that's actually really cool. So I'm kind of, where do you think kind of the future of the whole indoor navigation kind of thing's going to go? Because it kind of seems we're, we're at the very kind of beginning and, and you guys are at kind of, you know, the very beginning of what's possible with indoor navigation. Uh, you know, Kevin, the first, the first challenge that... Um we have to overcome as a solution provider for indoor navigation is um, education. Sure. So there have been there have been solutions with different level of sophistication around in the market since 2008, believe okay. it or not. Okay. Uh, who've been trying to figure out how to do this uh, and commercialize it. So it's just right. education, and this is the first step. That is my top priority is to educate businesses. On, on on the benefits um, on for commercializing the indoor navigation for their uh, enterprise. So, uh, once they get a hang of it, and once they know the ROI, and with our solution, it's an end-to-end solution. So they are going to they are actually going to one vendor, which is us, for providing them um, hardware, software, and professional services. Interesting. Um, and I think that that's been one of the biggest uh, mistakes in the market is that. There are companies which would only focus on delivering the SDK to connect oh, to the beacons, to yeah, communicate yeah, yeah. with them, not not realizing that uh, an average retailer or a, <clears throat> or a shopping mall or a museum, they don't have the IT expertise sure. uh, who have the programming sense to create a platform of their own for indoor navigation. So the, so the, the reason it has not been commercialized so far uh, in a, at a massive scale is because of education, um, lack of elegant solution in the market, which is sure. easy and very, very seamless to deploy. Um, and then if, if, if these two things can be communicated effectively to the stakeholders uh, in the business, they see the, they see the value on uh, why they should be the next step in the mobile strategy. Sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think you're right that anything that's kind of new, it, people just never really heard of it and so you need to kind of educate them about what's possible kind of where it's going um you know and 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 that and i'm sure you get a little bit of pushback sometimes but i think majority of companies and businesses you know within the next few years will will have this stuff and it's just going to be so commonplace that you know everybody's just going to have it automatically on their phone and and you're going to miss it when you don't have it because you know i've been even at conferences and you go to those big conferences sometimes and you don't even know where the exit is, right? Or if you right, think like right. you go to like a casino in Vegas, like try to find the elevator, right? To get to your room. Like sometimes you're like, I don't even know where I am. So it has a lot of uses that I, I think you're going to start seeing it just in common places that are just, you know, everyday places that people are at for, for vacation or conference or the mall or 
or whatnot, right? Even maybe even finding your car in a big parkade or, or parking lot, right? Absolutely. And, um, you know, a very interesting use case study that we are working on um, is um, potentially having a solution for um, electric charging stations. Oh, interesting. Which are in multiple level parking lots. Sure. Uh, because, you know, the GPS, your car GPS will stop working. And if you have multiple charging stations deployed in an indoor venue, how, how do you route your customers to those? Interesting. So, um, so the, I, you know, the possibilities are endless. Um, the, the use cases and the business cases are endless. Um, <clears throat> we, just have, we just have to make sure that we provide them with, with a solution, with the intelligence there that can talk to their business uh, requirements. And that's why we are so particular in, you know, handpicking our customers, who we want to work with, what are the requirements, and actually be able to deliver uh, an end-to-end solution to them. Sure. So it, it sounds like you kind of have quite the variety of, of different clients. Do you maybe want to kind of cover a couple other um, interesting use cases that, you know, maybe the listener kind of wouldn't think about or, or maybe would be relevant to their business? Like kind of similar to like the whole like underground navigation I thought was kind of fascinating. Absolutely. Um, another very interesting um, and growing market is um, are the manufacturers of uh, digital signage and digital displays in shopping okay. malls. Okay. Um, there are some huge, uh, you know, uh, industry names which are backing this market up, including um, GE, Philips, um, Samsung, because they're deploying their hardware, which is uh, display signage across. Right. You know, globally and and shopping malls, um, the the digital display works great because it gives you a, a static high level overview of the of the store map. But unfortunately, it's a signage that you cannot pick up with you and start walking around. And right. So so one of the very interesting thing was, hey, how, why don't we collaborate and why don't we figure out a way that we can detect a person who's standing in front of the on the on the display signage in a shopping mall, um, he interacts with the signage, um, marks the point of interest or the shops he wants to go, and then he would get a complete uh, turn-by-turn navigation guide on his cell phone automatically based on that engagement. Right? So you, you you just send that through Bluetooth or something then? Yeah. So we will we will work with deploying uh, a, a small Bluetooth beacon hardware on each one of the displays. Okay. And then deploying them across the shopping mall, um, and uh, based on your dynamic interaction with the digi- digital display, uh, we should be able to create a route for you and set it on your send it on your smart device. That's very cool, actually. And I'm assuming this is like Android, iOS. Um potentially probably Windows Phone and BlackBerry at some point, if it's not already there? Uh, right now, our focus is iOS and Android. Sure, makes sense. Those are the two major players. The other two are hmm, not really that relevant, I suppose, is the nice way to put it. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I think BlackBerry is a, is a great business device, but sure. uh, our, our end, end consumer is, uh, is an average shopper like myself. Sure, it's more um, the general I, public, right? Right, yeah. exactly. No, that makes a lot of so, sense. So uh, those, and we are also working on some um, on some good projects, which um, is going to enable us to send um, audio files um, <clears throat> with the navigation for uh, 
for places like a museum oh, where interesting. Uh, you don't have you don't have to buy those clunky headsets to yeah, that, that you're the millionth person that's wore that set <laughs> <laughs> i mean those things are expensive right i sure. mean you pay 15 dollars and internationally when i've i've been traveling i we were paying 25 uh, euros or something for getting a handset with the uh, predetermined uh, audio um, <clears throat> broadcasting. Uh, I think I think with, because we can tweak the content within the audio bytes uh, to the liking of the user, it becomes more personalized. That's yeah. actually really cool, actually. And then I would assume that um, you also have a bunch of accessibility kind of uses for your technology as well then. So somebody that's blind or visually impaired, you could basically navigate them to the stores they need to go or, or wherever they need to go based on audio. Based on audio. Based on the audio bytes, uh, that opens up a whole new vertical for us. Totally. Um, and then one of our top verticals for 2016 is going to be events and conventions. Sure. Um, so, you know, they're, we're working with some, you know, potential prospects for okay. deploying um, Indo-navigation for their events. Um, the funny thing about events is that <clears throat> it's a kind of a teardown event. So the, the full map, uh, the fingerprinting, um, and the boot layouts, everything changes from maybe one, one event to another event right. or even between days within their event. So that presents... Uh, a big enough challenge for us to figure out how can we do it with scale Sure. Um, for both domestic and international events. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. And then I would assume that you could get people, you know, to their, their session rooms and whatnot too. Because like sometimes it's like these weird numbers like 318B. You're like, well, where is that right relevant to where I am currently? Yes, and another thing I noticed at uh, working at uh, we we were exhibitors and we had our own booth at CS. The one thing I noticed in their layout was they either had the booth name glued to the floor, sure, right, or they would have a very high level range like eight eight thousand to eighty five hundred booths, way higher up. So, see, I mean, with those two, just those two pieces of information, there's no way I can get a sensibility of where I am and where sure. I want to navigate because the blue, the booths themselves are at least 10 feet in height and they're blocking your uh, view of sight. Right, right. So Even just like finding the bathroom or food, right? You have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And that's what one of the things is that, you know, we were, uh, we had a, a free app download. And I was actually reeling in people and asking them, which booth do you want to go to? And I can I showed them our app. They used to enter the booth number, and they got turn-by-turn directions from where they're standing at that point in time. That's awesome. So that's really cool. So maybe that – let's kind of segue into your kind of um, SDK and, and, and kind of how people can integrate your technology into their existing app. Sure. <clears throat> So um, our SDK has uh, a, a different um, uh, packages. Uh, okay. It depends on how sophisticated your IT team is. If you're a business, um, do you have programming resources uh, which you feel comfortable that um, they'll be able to work with an SDK? Then we do have our, uh, our, our you know, um, our entry-level SDK which provides you with the basic information on indoor positioning. Okay. You can take that SDK and incorporate that into your existing mobile app if you have one. 
Um, if you do not have the required infrastructure to work with SDK, we have the next level, which provides you with the, all the visual components along with the SDK. So we have a component for you to digitize your map. We'll have a component for you to fingerprint your facility, and we will help you to uh, pinpoint exactly which locations you need to um, install the install the beacon. Sure, no. So there are different, there are different variations, but during this whole this whole uh, route, we make sure that we have one package for uh, the level of resources and that you have currently. And then, of course, if you do not have a mobile app to begin with, a lot of event companies do not have a mobile app. We create the entire location-based services ground up with the complete handover of the mobile application to you. Okay, so you're kind of an end-to-end solution then, basically hardware and software. It's hardware, software, not just that. Uh, we also provide... Uh, professional services so uh, we do have the infrastructure to uh, dispense resources who will come to your um, on on your venue do a site uh, site planning and survey um, <clears throat> install the beacons and uh, provide technical support and maintenance on the beacons too okay very cool so if i'm kind of um you know if i'm an event or something how long or business, or, or I want to kind of implement your technology, kind of what's the kind of minimum amount of time I need before I can basically go from contacting you to having a solution? Is it weeks? Is it a couple of months? I, I get based on depending on what I need, you know, um, it's going to take a different amount of time. But what's usually kind of an average um, time that I could basically go from contacting you to having a solution? Uh, a month. A month will suffice, okay. um, but if you are looking into a, a very uh, um, <clears throat> kind of a, <clears throat> a challenging uh, undertaking, such as creating the entire mobile app for you, then sure. uh, that uh, you know that we need to see how much complexity and what feature sets that you're looking for in the mobile app. Sure, but a month isn't uh, that but, long. Um, yeah, a month, and actually, you'll be surprised that we were able to deploy our indoor navigation solution for the Eureka Park. Uh, two days earlier to the show. Really? Oh, wow. That's that's fascinating, actually. That, that's really quick. Yeah. But th- that included uh, doing fingerprinting, calibrating the beacons, uh, making some finer um, adjustments to the digitized map, um, and also testing, making sure everything is uh, on schedule and it's working. Sure. And then you'd have to obviously, like, there's some installation, too, if you guys have to go put hardware in, you know, a venue or or. Um, mall or, or whatnot, right? That that stuff just takes time. That just takes time, you know. Uh, with events, is basically uh, you you install and then you have to uninstall them. Sure, as well. no, that so makes sense. So we do we do provide them our customers the option that they can uh, source the beacons from us, and we work internally with our partners. Or if they have a, a preferred choice of beacon provider, they can source their installation services. So we are we are highly flexible that way. Sure. That's awesome. But Maheen, we're kind of running out of time. So maybe let's close the show with kind of promoting where people can find um, the company and, you know, you guys on social media. And then if you want to promote anything kind of personally where people can find you online. Absolutely. Um, you know, Kevin, thank you so much for having me at the show. The best way um, to get more information on uh, Smart Vision is uh, obviously if uh, we have a website. It's markvision.com. Um, you can reach me to an email, and that is um, my first name, Maheen, M-A-H-E-E-N, at smartvision.com. 
um, and I'll you know make it a priority to answer any questions that you have. Um, and uh, both the company uh, Smart Vision and myself are on LinkedIn and on social media. So our Twitter handle is at Smart Vision. And uh, yeah, if there's a if there's a pressing question, please feel free to just send me an email. I'll answer that. Sure. No, no, that's awesome. And I'll post those in the show notes as well. So people can go to the website, uh, buildingthefutureshow.com and, uh, you know, click on your episode under past shows and, you know, they'll be able to get to all those links as well as, as well as your email and, you know, send you a message if they, they need, uh, help or questions or, and whatnot. But, uh, Thanks again for being on the show, and um, you know I, I look forward to kind of following your guys's progress over 2016, and who knows where um, this will end up going, and you know maybe we'll do another show in the future. Absolutely, Kevin. It was both my pleasure, and uh, um, you know hopefully we can make some good strides in 2016. Yeah, perfect. Well, uh, all right. Well, we'll talk soon, and you have a good day. Thank you, Kevin. Okay. So do you. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. Until next time, keep building the future.